Well, let's introduce our lead pastor, Pastor Joe Source. Thank you, Brian. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm so glad you're here. Look at you. Look at you. You're all here today, even though the weather's nice outside. Yeah, give yourself a hand. That's awesome. Now listen, I want to jump right into this message. I want to have as much time as I possibly can to bring this message to us today. I want to start out by pointing something out to us that I think should be obvious, but sometimes we don't really realize it. The Word of God exists to correct problems in our lives. Did you realize that? The Word of God, the Bible exists not to give us a bunch of stories, but to give us practical illustrations about how people's lives changed throughout. Thank you. I appreciate that, Bill. Thank you so much. We have the illustrations that we have in the Bible to show us how, what happened to people's lives when they applied the principles of the word. And understand this, and we'll see this as we go along. I'm kind of like giving you a little bit of an appetizer here, that God loves us so much and understands how hard it is to live on this planet sometimes. And so he gives us instruction so that we would be able to navigate through life with the least amount of tragedy and problems as possible. Now, it's not always possible to avoid all of them. But I, I'm saying this because I want us to approach the word today with a little bit different perspective. It's God's, it's the, the, the word of God is the manifestation of God's love towards us because he cares for us. He's a good father. He loves us. He wants us to be able to achieve the best that we possibly can in life so that not only is he glorified, but that you and I would experience contentment and fulfillment in this life. He's not against us. He's for us. Amen? So I want to start this teaching out with a statement. And it's one that we've probably all said from time to time. It's one that usually is, we will say it in a time of sadness or a time of setback, a time of disaster. And really, when I give you the statement, you're gonna see how, how often we try to pacify ourselves with this statement, okay? The statement is, don't worry, God has a plan. And we usually say that to somebody when they've suffered some type of a setback, when they've suffered something out of left field that they weren't expecting. We try to compensate for that. But the truth of the matter is, we should be saying this when things go good in life just as much as we should be saying it as when things go bad. When somebody in your life, in your family, a loved one, an acquaintance, a coworker, a neighbor, an extended family member, when they accomplish something great, we should be saying, hey, don't worry, God's got a plan. In other words, it's going to fit in to what God has in store for us. Amen? So, I believe it's true that God has a plan. And if it is true, and like I said, I believe that it is, the question that we're going to deal with today is, since God has a plan, what part do I play in that plan? Now understand, the plan of God is based on a dream that God has. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the plan of God is twofold. And if you don't understand this, you'll miss out on some things. There is the general plan of God that God has for the entire universe, okay, for every creature that exists and ever will exist. There's the general plan. But within that general plan, each one of us has this little part to play. And so there's the general plan of God for mankind. Then there is the specific plan as it pertains to your life. Now, I'm saying that because what I want to avoid happening today is, as I begin to unfold this teaching, what ends up usually happening to most people, most Christians, is they take the teaching and they don't apply it to themselves. They apply it only to the ministry, the reaching people, the spreading the gospel. Now, within that far-reaching goal of spreading the gospel, there's your life involved there. Your life is involved in spreading the gospel. 
He's included your life. He's included the example of your life. He wants to use your life as an illustration of someone who this is what happens to the person that walks with me. Amen? Now, I said this before. God has a dream. And that dream was to create a species of beings, of individuals, watch this now, that would think like him, speak like him, and act like him. I'm going to say it again. God's dream is that he would create a species of individuals, of beings, that would, say with me, think like him, speak like him, and we could do it this way, walk like him. Okay? Are you getting that? That's God's dream. Always been his dream, always will be his dream. Now watch this now. If you take the Bible now and you realize that from Genesis chapter 1, all the way until Revelation chapter 22, it's God's plan, say plan. plan. It's God's plan to bring about his dream. There's a dream, and then there's a plan that will bring you to the fulfillment of that dream. That plan is a overreaching general plan, and then there's the specific plan that pertains to each and every one of us individually. Are you getting this? Okay, give me a chance and I'll, I'll, I'll make some sense of this thing for you, okay? Now, because God had a dream, God made a plan. Because there's no way to bring about the dream without a what? Plan. So, God had a plan for the man and the garden. He said to him, he said to Adam, you're to keep it, you're to take care of it, you're to follow my plan. Genesis chapter 2, verse 16. And the Lord God suggested, the Lord God hinted at, what does it say? The Lord God what? Come on, say it like it sounds. The Lord God commanded, commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely what? What was God saying? Hey, my plan's simple, Adam. Protect the garden, keep the garden. Eat what I told you to eat. Don't eat what I told you not to eat. And everything will just be fine. And my dream will come to pass. And you see, the good thing about it, the great thing about it is his dream involves us. It's not an isolated dream. It's not a dream that only pertains to him. It's not a dream that's only going to affect him. In fact, the whole dream of his heart is that we would receive the fullness of his grace, the fullness of his love, the fullness of his mercy, the fullness of his wisdom, the fullness of his power. In other words, that we would walk on this earth just like he does. You listen to me? All right. So, first rule of a successful life, get the plan, follow the plan, and the result is going to be success. Now, we know that Adam did not fulfill the plan. He didn't follow it till its entirety. And in not following the plan, he brought disaster upon his wife, eventually opened up the door for disaster for his children, and we've been suffering the results ever since, okay? But watch this now. Many, many hundreds of years later, God repeated the plan to another group of people. He chose them to follow the plan. He chose a piece of land for them, one that he said would be just like the first garden, this one he called the promised land. Okay, think about it. Think about it. God's first plan involved a piece of property, the garden. That dream has never changed. They, they failed. He brings another group of people around and gives them the same dream. He reveals the dream. You'll see this with God. You'll see it in your personal life. You'll see it in the Bible. God shows you a glimpse of the dream. Say that with me, glimpse. What's a glimpse? A glimpse is just a little picture. Okay, now, he's got an entire photo album, but he only shows us a glimpse. Okay, we'll talk about that later. So, he chooses another group of individuals, and he relates this promise to their forefather 430 years previously, a man named Abraham. And he tells Abraham, your descendants are going to be slaves in a land far from here. 
He said, but I'm going to visit them, and I'll fulfill my promise to you. I will bring them back to this land. And so he gives another group of people this opportunity. But these people, just like Adam, have a hard time following the plan. Moses tried, and to some extent Moses succeeded, but Moses never got to see the dream fulfilled. He never got to walk into this land that God promised them. But God was determined to see his dream come to pass. It still is. So he gave another man a plan and told him to tell the people that if they followed the plan, they would have great success. Now, I'm going through this narrative here because I want you to see the thread that goes through the word of God. He's got a dream. He gives us a plan. He lets us get little glimpses of the dream that will be enough to get us to follow the plan. Because he knows how we are. He made us. And that's why you have promises all through the word of God. Now, listen to me clearly. I don't want you walking out of here misunderstanding what I'm going to say. The conditions, excuse me, the promises of God are conditional. And many people will say at this point, well, what are you talking about, Pastor? The love of God is unconditional. No, you're mixing two different things up. The love of God is unconditional. He loves us unconditionally. But the promises of God are conditional. That's why you see in the Bible many times it says, if you will do this, then I will do that. If you do this, then I will do that. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He, he created us. He knows that we need an incentive in order to follow him. Are you listening to me? Now, I know this may go against a lot of teaching that you may be hearing lately, okay? And, and, and in the word, you know, throughout the word of God, you can prove anything you want if you take something out of context. But if you read the scriptures in context, God is not this God far away, far off. God is very close to us. And because he loves us, he wants us involved in his dream. But in order to be involved in his dream, we've got to follow the plan that will bring to pass the dream. Are you listening? Okay. So, Adam doesn't fulfill the dream because he doesn't follow the plan. Moses doesn't fulfill the dream because he didn't follow the plan. Now somebody else comes on the scene. And in, through this individual's life, we get the most detail about the plan. Because somebody would be saying here, well, what's the plan? What's the plan? Okay? Watch this now. This next man's name is Joshua. And there's something very unique about Joshua. Joshua has been Moses' right-hand man. Joshua is there. Every time something majorly happened in Moses' life, Joshua's right there. But one of the greatest things that Moses did for Joshua was he allowed Joshua to learn how to hear the voice of God Almighty. If you study out Moses' life and see Joshua's interaction with Moses, you will see that just about every time Moses goes to this place that's called the tabernacle, or it's a fancy word for tent. They had this tent set up, which was their place of worship. They had the Ark of the Covenant in that, inside that tent. The Ark of the Covenant represented the place where the presence of God hovered over. Every time Moses goes into the presence of God, guess who's by his side? Joshua. And you know, sometimes we concentrate on teaching people the practical things, practical things, practical, practical, but we very rarely are mindful of the fact that they need to learn how to hear the voice of God. Because if you see, if we, teach every, if we teach people that are around us, if we'll learn for ourselves how to hear the voice of God, then we'll get the wisdom of God, the power of God, direction from God, the character of God. You listening to me? So now, watch what happens with Joshua. The dream stays the same. Stays the same. God says to Joshua, there's a land that I want my people to possess. He said, now it's your turn. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. Now, you'll notice it doesn't start out very cheerfully. What's the first phrase here? Moses, my servant, is dead. And Joshua would have said to God, yeah, I know. I went to his funeral. I know. He's gone. 
But see, that's not what this, the phrase stands for. That's not what the purpose behind this declaration, Moses, my servant, is dead. When God said to Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead, what God was saying was, Joshua, you learned from Moses, you saw what he did, now it's time for you to turn the page, now I'm gonna deal with you. Don't forget what you learned from, from Moses, but now don't be stuck in the past. Okay? How many of us get very discouraged when you see somebody that you had respect for, maybe a leader or something, and they fail? How many of you get disappointed? Just one, two. Come on. How many of you get disappointed when someone you looked up to and you thought to yourself, man, if they didn't make it, what chance do I have? And God wants to avoid this in Joshua. So he said to him, Moses, my servant, is dead. Turn the page, Joshua. It's a new day. It's a new season. This is a new time. Learn what you did. Hold on to what you learned. But watch now what I'm going to do with you. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites across the Jordan River, into the land I am giving them. I am giving them. Not maybe. I'm giving it to them. Now, the real question behind this statement was, Joshua, we're going to see if I'm going to be able to give it to them through you, because I tried to give it to them through Adam. I tried to give it to them through Moses. Now, let's see how you do, okay? I promise you what I promised Moses. What's he doing here now? He's giving Joshua a glimpse of the dream. Why? Because he needs Joshua to be motivated. He needs Joshua to forget all the failures he's seen in the past and to, to muster up as much courage and strength that he can to step forward into the future. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. Next verse. Now he's going to describe to him again. He's given him a glimpse of the dream. Now he's going to show him this is the extent of the land that I am wanting to give to my people. Now, I don't know if you're familiar with, with geography or not. I'm not going to give you a geography class. But if you, if you were to look at a map of the Middle East, it is many times bigger than the present-day nation of Israel. Watch this. this. From the Negev Desert, which is all the way in the, in the bottom of Israel, that little point that goes out into the Red Sea, into the, uh, I think it's the Gulf of Aqaba there. I don't remember what it is. But the furthest, most southern part of Israel all the way to the Lebanon Mountains, which are in the north, all the way to the Euphrates River. What nation is the Euphrates River in? What happened to you guys? Didn't you go to geography class? <laughs> it's in the present-day nation of Iraq. It runs right through the middle of Iraq. He says, from that river all the way to the Mediterranean Sea, this is the land I have chosen for my people. And here it is now. Thousands of years, probably... 3,500 to 4,000 years after Joshua's time, and they still, the dream still hasn't been fulfilled. And that statement right there is why you see all the conflict that you see in the Middle East. Why? Because that land belongs to God's people. Amen. You listening to me? All right, that's, a, that's another teaching for another day. So what's he saying here? This is my dream. My, and it's pretty interesting that most of this territory covers the area where Abraham traveled when he was on the earth. And God said to him, I'm going to give you, lift up your eyes. As far as you can see, I'm going to give it to you. Now, now we know Abraham didn't get it yet. His children haven't gotten it yet, but someday it's coming. Why? Because the dream is still being fulfilled. You're, listen, you're not getting this. The dream is still being fulfilled. And guess what? If the dream's still being fulfilled, it means you and I still have a part to play to bring this dream to pass. What's the dream? that he would have a species of people who would think like him, speak like him, walk like him. You got, don't forget that. Think like him, speak like him, walk like him. All the this is a side note. All the instruction that you and I receive in the New Testament from the epistles, from the letters, is all to bring us to the place where we... Come on, guys, that we think like him, speak like him, walk like him. Okay? So the dream is still unfolding. So watch this now. Now, mind you, God has been speaking to this people about this land 
for centuries. Way back when they were still in Egypt. So over 40 years passed from that moment when they came to the Red Sea, way before they even got to the Red Sea, God had been speaking to them about that land. He said to them, I'm going to take you to a land that's not like the land that you live in right now. Where were they? Egypt. What's Egypt? A bunch of sand with a river going through it. That's it. If you want water, you got to go to the river, get that water, and somehow pump it to where your fields are. He said, no, the land I'm bringing you to, you're not going to have to pump the water with your foot. Because they had slaves, and all they did all day long was pump with a foot pump to get the water from the river to wherever the fields were so the crops would grow. He said, no, no, the land I'm bringing you to is a land that drinks from the showers of heaven. In other words, no, you're going to have to irrigate anything. The, the clouds themselves are going to water the earth. He said, you're going to live in villages you didn't build. You're going to live in houses you didn't construct. You're going to drink from wells that you didn't dig. You're going to eat from vineyards that you didn't plant. He said, it's going to be a way different life than what you're used to. This is my dream for you. Now watch this now. So Joshua's got a hold in the dream. Remember, oh, this is good. Remember, Numbers 13, God says, I'm going to do this real quick because I want to get back to my notes. God said to Moses, I want you to pick 12 spies. I want you to take one from, I want you to take one of the leaders from each of the tribes and I want you to send them over into that land that I told you about. I want them to see that it's exactly like I said it was. What's happening? God has given them a bigger picture of the dream. Why? Because as you get closer and you start working the plan, he starts showing you more about the dream. Oh my gosh, this is good. Guess who was one of those 12? Caleb and Joshua. <laughs> Joshua. Joshua's seen it already. He's gotten a hold of the dream. He saw the grapes that were the size of soccer balls, that they had to take two guys to carry one cluster of grapes back to Moses and to the camp. He saw it, okay? But watch this. So now Joshua's got enough of the dream that she should be able to start working the plan. Remember, there's a dream, and then there's a what? A plan. Without the plan, there's no Let's go to Joshua chapter 1, verse, yeah, here we go. Now the promise has come. Now, no one, he's starting to give him the plan now, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. Man, that's a great promise. Why? Because the Bible tells us that God spoke to Moses face to face. He said, I speak to Moses like a, like a man would speak to his friend. And God's saying, the way I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. You got it? That's reassuring when you're going to start walking into the plan. I will not fail you or abandon you. Everybody should have went hallelujah at that point. Next verse. Here's the plan. Here's the plan. How's the dream going to come to pass? Be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors that I would give them. Next verse. Here it is again. Now, when God tells you something twice, it would do good to pay attention to it. If he does it three times, don't forget it, okay? Be strong and very courageous. One translation puts it this way. Be strong and courageous only. In other words, don't entertain anything else, Joshua. Be strong and courageous only. Why? Why is he saying this to Joshua? Numbers 13, remember? They went in and, and, and spied out the land, and they saw the fruit, but what else did they see there? The giants. Joshua has seen the giants, and Joshua don't care, because Joshua knows, as God was with Moses, he's going to be with me. Come on, giant. Come on, Mr. Giant. Come on. Be strong and very courageous, and be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you, do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. Now, here's Joshua 1.8. If you memorize any scripture from the Old Testament, if you only got one that you can memorize, make it this one. Study this book of instruction continually. What are we doing here? This is the plan now that God's given Joshua of how the dream is going to come to pass. And it pertains to you and me as much as it pertains to Joshua. Study this book of what? 
And a lot of translations says this book of the law. I chose this translation. Why? Because this, this better describes what the word of God is. What is it? Oh, well, pastor, I love to read the Bible because it has such great poetry. And I love to read the Bible, Pastor. I love to read all the historical stories and the myths and the fables. And what is it? It's a book of what? Why would you need instructions? You're going to need instructions if you're supposed to accomplish something. Amen? IKEA has made their billions based on this. Because you got a dream. I saw this thing on Pinterest. <laughs> and, I would, and I got the place in my house where I could just see it there. I could just see it there. I just, oh, I could just see it there. And then you go by it and bring it home, and you spread it all out over the floor. And you're going, oh, my God. This don't look nothing like the dream. <laughs> my greatest accomplishment in the past couple of years was my wife and I put together a TV stand. <laughs> no, you don't understand. If you're from a guy who doesn't know anything about any of that kind of stuff. That, I, I, I walked out of the basement, went upstairs, and I put that thing together. <laughs> but I noticed I had to do something that was very tedious. And I hate following. I'm like, no, forget it, Barb. Just, I can see the picture of how it's supposed to look. Joe? Follow the instructions or you're going to end up taking it apart again. And do you ever notice how demonic the people that create those things? <laughs> they know once you take it apart, you can never put it back together again. You'll curse the thing, you'll, 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 you'll kick it across the room, and then you'll go buy another one. <laughs> so your Bible is not a book trying to tell you not to have fun. It's not a book trying to tell you fairy tales. It's a you know what that book is? It is the manifestation of the love of God for his people. He's giving us instructions to follow so that the dream could come to pass. Because you don't understand, when the dream comes to pass, it doesn't just glorify God and magnify him. It blesses our hearts. And let me tell you something. You want to know why this message is so important right now? Because there are so many frustrated Christians walking around on this planet right now. Because they don't want to work the plan. I want to dream. God show me some, oh, pastor. God show me some awesome dreams. And on the inside, I'm going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. You got to work the plan. Here's the plan. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it. Say that word, meditate. Meditate, meditate on it. How often? Day and night. So you'll be sure to do everything, obey everything written in it. Only then, oh, oh, God, there's no other way? Is there a shortcut? Is there somebody else that could do it for me? I'll pay them. No, no, no. Only then, when? When you study the book of instruction, when you meditate on it day and night, when you obey, when you be sure to obey everything written in it, only then will you prosper, only then will you succeed in all you do. So, so, so if I'm going to prosper in this life, if I'm going to succeed in this life, who's it going to be up to, God or me? Me. me. God, wait, well, I understand, Pastor. No, God gives me a dream. Yeah, God gives you the dream, but he gives you the plan in order to bring the past the dream. If you don't want to work the plan, the most you will do is live and die entertaining a dream, but you'll never see it come to pass. Oh, hallelujah. I'm so glad he came to church today. <laughs> you getting this? Yes. He shows us the dream, then he gives us the plan. Now, Joshua had a personal guarantee. Let me tell you, you've got a personal guarantee. I have said that so many times in my meditating. I'm going to show you what meditating is, okay? But meditating, when you, heard, when you saw that word meditate on the screen or you heard me say the word meditate, I'll guarantee you some of you went to a totally different form of meditation than what the Bible teaches. Most people here, especially in the West, in our country, they entertain meditation as being some type of Eastern philosophy. I gotta clear my mind. No, God never tells you to clear your mind. If anything, God, God tells you, gird up the loins of your mind. 
Guard your heart. Guard your mind. Guard your thoughts. The enemy wants you to clear your mind so you, he can move right in with some kind of demonic philosophy. The biblical definition of meditation is more of a picture than it is words. The Hebrew language is a language of pictures. So, watch this now. The picture for the concept of meditation in Hebrew is a cow. A cow. Pastor, what has a cow got to do? Watch. Now, this isn't going to be pleasant, but it's necessary. How does a cow eat? Cow takes a bunch of chews and chews and chews and chews and chews. And then they swallow. And then God made them with a particular mechanism in their digestive system that to me is the most disgusting thing that could happen. Because then they regurgitate. They regurgitate it. And then start chewing again, and chewing again, and chewing again. And they chew, and chew, and chew, until they've taken every bit of nutrient out of that mouthful of grass. You listening to me? That's the picture of meditate. That's the picture of meditate. It's muttering. It's muttering. Now, I work very closely with a couple of individuals who have this habit of talking to themselves. Okay, I won't point out who it is. And sometimes I've got to say to them, are you talking to me or are you talking to yourself? <laughs> so it's muttering. It's meditating. It's speaking to oneself. That is biblical meditation. And by the way, Christianity is not a quiet expression of faith. Biblical Christianity is noisy. Biblical Christianity is constantly speaking, 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 speaking. Okay? So I'm muttering. I'm meditating on the word, meditating on the word. Let's say I got a bad report from the doctor. Okay? I had symptoms, pain, whatever. Go to the doctor and he tells this is what. He's only doing his job. This is what's going on. So now I've got a choice. Am I going to meditate and mutter what the doctor said? Or am I going to, to understand what he said, because he's given me his observation, okay? And what do I do at this point? If I'm going to follow the plan, what I'm going to do is I'm going to consider the facts, but I'm going to mutter, I'm going to speak to myself. I understand what the doctor said. The fact is, that may be the case. However, Isaiah 53 tells me that he himself bore my sin my sickness, my pains, my griefs, my sorrows, and by his stripes, I am healed. Okay, you see what I'm saying? I'm going to walk around, and I'm going to mutter to my, I, I, could weather, may, I might say it to you sometimes. You know, sometimes I may walk into my office, you know, maybe feeling tired, and, and I'll open up the door, and I'll say to Brian, who's in there, uh, unless he's talking to himself, uh, I'll say to Brian, I'll say, Brian, do you know that I'm strong on the Lord and the power is mine? Do you know that I got the life of God in me? Do you know that I, have, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? What am I doing? What am I doing? Of course he knows that. Of course I know that. But there's something, listen, look at me. There is something very spiritual about our ears hearing our mouth say something. That's why be careful what you say. I don't mean be paranoid, but be very mindful of what you say. Okay, because sometimes the worst thing you could do is start talking about the problem that exists rather than meditating on the solution that God's given you. Maybe I, maybe, maybe I, I received some bad news. I, you know, all of a sudden, maybe, maybe I'm losing my job or maybe a bill came in that I wasn't expecting. I don't have the money. I, it's not in the budget. What am I going to do? Oh, God, I don't understand. This isn't working. What am I even trying for? I might as well just throw in the towel. No, 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 no. What are you going to do? You're going to start working the plan. You, you may pace the floors, but if you're going to pace the floors, pace the floors like this. Good, okay, well, we've got a challenge here. But David said that he was young, and now he's old, and he's never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed begging for bread. God said that he's going to supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. 
Jesus said, if the birds of the, of the field, the flowers of the field, are adorned by God and he feeds the birds, how much more is he going to take care of me? So therefore, I will not take any thought saying, what shall I eat? What shall I drink? What am I going to drive? Where am I going to live? You see what I'm saying? That is biblical meditation. You catching this? So we should all be walking around like a bunch of people who just talk to themselves all the time. And listen, nobody's going to matter because they're going to think you've got a Bluetooth in your ear. <laughs> and you'll be walking the streets going, praise God. Thank God. I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And people come by going, you must be having a telephone conversation. Yeah, having a conversation with him. And watch this now. Having a conversation with my soul. Because my soul, ooh, my soul is going to be the one who's going to stand against my dream the most. I don't know what it is that our soul loves to side with the devil. Our soul loves to side with the natural things of this world. And your soul will always be the first one to tell you why you can't do something that God told you to do. Hallelujah, Pastor. This is good stuff. Now watch this now. I told you that God has a dream, right? It's not only a general dream, but it's a personal dream. His dream was to give his people the promised land that was designed for them. Now watch this now. He's got a dream for you too. And he's got a plan for you. And that plan, if you work it, will take you out of the land of dysfunction, out of the land of turmoil, hurt, and pain, and will bring you into a land of contentment, fulfillment, rest, and calm. That's his, that's his dream for you. That's his dream. Turn around and say somebody, that's his dream for you. Now, now turn back and say, are you going to work the plan? Now watch this now, watch, watch. The dream, has, the dream has a voice. When Joshua went over into the promised land with those, those 11 other spies, man, that spoke, that spoke volumes to him. You want to know how I know? Because when they came back, 10 of them said, we can't do this. Yeah, yeah, the land is exactly, yeah, the dream is exactly like God said it is, but there's giants in the land. Joshua and Caleb came back with a whole different perspective. Joshua and Caleb went, um, uh, they're starting to talk stupid. They're starting to, they're starting to so speak the wrong things. Come on, let's do it right now. Let's do it right now. Come on, Moses, let's do it right now. Joshua and Caleb, let's do it. come on, let's go now. Why? Because they knew that these other 10 who came back with a different perspective, if they didn't stop them, they would infect the entire multitude. And guess what? They did. Not one of those two to two and a half to three million people that came out of Egypt, not one of them went into the promised land. You know who went in? Joshua, Caleb, and all of the children of the ones who said, we can't do it. So let's go through this real quick. Here's the plan. The Bible's got to stay before your eyes on a regular basis. Number two, you got to meditate on it continuously. I told you what that looks like. Let's go. Now watch this now. According to Joshua 1.8, the important step in the plan is not the doing, but the speaking. Why? Listen to this. Listen to this. Don't check out on me now, because this is the most important part. The important, the important part of the plan is not the doing. The doing is the result of the speaking. You won't do what you don't talk about. When you talk about things, that's why when you, try, when you set goals, the best thing to do is to say it out loud. We're told in Habakkuk to write it down, write the vision down, right? There's something about when we speak, it's like we're committing ourselves to something, okay? You listening? But the most important part of the work in the plant is the speaking, not the doing. Why? Because nothing changes until someone speaks. I'll say it again. You might not realize how profound that is. Give me a second. Nothing changes until somebody speaks. Isaiah 55, verse 10. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation. Is anybody getting anything this morning? Yes. You sure? Yes. Okay. God speaking through the prophet Isaiah. The rain and snow come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Look at verse 11. This is God speaking now. It is the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit. 
It will accomplish all I want to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. What's he saying? God's word, look at me, look at me, look at me. God's word coming out of your mouth will affect the same things of God's word coming out of his mouth. He gave us that ability. He gave us that authority. He charges us to use the words of our mouth. Why? You want to know why it's so important for us to speak what God says? Come on, do you want to know why? This didn't hit me until this weekend. The very weapon that God gave us to remove the obstacles from his dream coming to pass is our words. That is what, and what is the last thing we do? Use our words. The enemy loves when we're silent. He gave us his words. He gave us the scriptures. What did Jesus say to do with the mountain? Did he say to go kick the mountain? What did he say to do to the mountain? Speak to it. Same principle. Same principle. Speak to it. You want me to show you in the word? One person does. Do you want me to show you in the word? The important principle. God gave you speech. And God gave you the words to speak. Because he wants you to use those words to get the obstacles out of the way of his dream coming to pass in your life. Watch this. Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to go right back to the beginning. Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Yes or no, right? Yes. Okay, look at Genesis 2. Now the earth was formless and empty. I need to make a correction here. I challenge you to go study this out because that verse there in the original language does not appear that way. This is what it sounds like. And and now the earth became formless and empty. And empty. Go look it up. Say, explain that, Pastor. I can't. When we get to heaven, I'm going to, one of the first things I want to ask God is this. What happened between verse 1 and verse 2? Because verse 1 says you created the heavens and the earth, and God doesn't create anything of darkness, and God doesn't create anything that's formless, and God doesn't create anything that's chaos. And that's how it reads in the original language. Okay? Something happened. We don't know what. Something happened. And the earth was formless or became formless and empty or void. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. So it sounds like it was a water, just water. That's it, right? Watch this now. And the Spirit of God, I'm going to challenge you to do this with me. And the Spirit of God, come on. And the Spirit of God was what? Come on, everybody. You got arms. And the Spirit of God was what? Come on, you guys in the back there. You're not going to get away with it. And the Spirit of God was what? Hovering over what? And the waters were covered with what? Darkness. Why do I make a big deal out of this every time I preach it? Why? Because the same spirit of God that was hovering over the chaos then is the same spirit of God that's hovering over the chaos in your life. And what was the spirit of God waiting for? Now, we don't know. This could have been millions of years between verse 1 and verse 2. We don't know. But the spirit of God was waiting. And what's the next thing that happens? Come on. And then God what? Say it nice and loud. And God what? Say. What did he say? What was there previously? What changed it? Let there be light. And what happened? And there was light. What? Now, this could have been millions of years in that condition. We don't know. Right? All right, let's fast forward. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, what are we talking about? We're talking about nothing changes until someone what? Speaks. Speaks. Say it again with me. Ready? One, two, three. Nothing changes until someone speaks. Okay? Now, when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion. Now, get this, okay? Don't let this, don't miss this. A centurion. This is a Roman official. This is a big shot. This is a Roman military person who's over possibly hundreds of soldiers. Now watch. This is very unusual. That's why the Holy Spirit made sure it was included in the Gospels. Watch this now. Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion, a Roman big shot, a Roman official, came to him. That's unheard of. Why? Because the Jews have nothing to do with the Gentiles. The Romans hated the Jews, despised them, looked down upon them, considered them to be subhuman. 
And this Roman official is coming to Jesus. And what's he doing? Pleading with him. This is completely out of the box. What's he doing? Let's go. Saying to, to Jesus, Lord, right there. A, Jew, a Roman official calls a Jew Lord. Okay? My servant, this goes to show you the heart condition of this man. My servant is lying at home paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Watch this now. Jesus, of course, says to him, I will come and heal him. Look at the centurion's answer. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof. Read the yellow words at me nice and loud. Ready, one, two, three. But only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Next verse. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have, so let it be done for you. And the servant was healed that same hour. Are you seeing it? Nothing changed until somebody spoke. Now, isn't it amazing? Jesus said to him, go your way, and as you have believed. Now, what was the evidence that this man had faith? He's a Roman. He comes to a Jew. He calls him Lord. When Jesus offers to come to his house, he goes, you don't have to come to my house. I don't want you defiling yourself coming to my house. All you need to do is speak the word, and my servant will be healed. Jesus goes, man, give me a dozen like this guy. <laughs> Nothing changes until somebody speaks. So let's go back to this, all right, because I've got to wrap this up now. Watch this now. God has a dream. That dream is that he would create a species of individuals that would, come on, guys, jump in, that would think like him, speak like him, walk like him. He's never given up on that dream. Now, there was a little bit of a hiccup. Satan is allowed to come in, spoil the dream. But God had a plan, and he still has a plan. And that plan is to do whatever's necessary to bring these, his people back to the place where he can bring them into their promised land. Your promised land is the dream that God has for your life. Your promised land is the thing that God wants to do with you, shape you and mold you and, and make you into this individual that's not only going to bring glory to him, but that will cause you to have great satisfaction, great contentment, and great fulfillment in your life. But he gave us the plan. Keep the word before your eyes constantly. Meditate on that word. Speak that word. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I, go, go to Deuteronomy 28. Man, that's a good one to be speaking over yourself. And I'm the head only. I'm the head, not the tail, above only and not beneath. I'm going to lend to many and not borrow. I'm blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed coming in. Who Jesus. That's the plan. Are you listening to me? He gives you a dream. But he gives you the plan to bring that dream to pass. Now watch this now. I will share this and then we'll be done. He gives us glimpses, little snapshots. Now he does that because he knows how we are. He knows that we need an incentive like I talked about before. But as, watch this now, as you begin to start working the plan the glimpses become bigger and bigger and bigger. Joshua heard back in Egypt, yeah, God's going to bring us to a land that flows with milk and honey. But then as it got closer, as they're working the plan, God allows him to get a sneak preview and walk into the promised land and see. Yeah. Yeah, this fruit is exactly like they said. Yeah, the fields are green. There's beautiful villages. There's houses. There's everything here. And it all belongs to us. Now, there are giants in the land, but God's given us the ability to speak, the ability to fight, the ability to remove the obstacles out of our way. So I don't know what obstacles you're facing today. I, I don't know what dream he's shown you. I know the glimpses he's shown me in the past, and I thank God that he never showed me the whole picture. The glimpse I got, I'll tell real quick and then we'll be done. I woke up one morning around the springtime of 1995, and I sat up in bed, and I shook my wife, and I said, wake up. So what's the matter? I said, we're going to start a church. 
She, what are you talking about? I said, God just showed me. I just had this dream through the night. God showed me we're going to start a church. It's going to be right here in Brick. The name of that church is going to be New Beginnings Christian Fellowship. And I said to her, this person is going to be involved. This couple will be involved. This individual will be involved. I said, and we'll start it in the fall of 97. I got a glimpse. That glimpse was enough. Now watch, why did I need to get that strong of a glimpse? We just had come out of bankruptcy a couple of years before. We just reopened the business and started making money. We I was just able to start feeding my family, buying my kids sneakers, paying for their tuition to go to school. It just started happening, and God knew, if I don't give him a good, strong glimpse, he's not going to move out of this. So he gives us enough that we need to get us out of the comfort zone and start marching towards that dream. Had he showed me what this would eventually become 25 years later, I think I'd still be slicing salami in my deli here. I don't know that I would have had the courage and the boldness to walk it out. Now, he's showing you some things. Doesn't have to be ministry. He may be showing somebody a business. He may be showing someone a profession. He may be showing someone what a marriage should look like. He may be showing someone what it's going to be like to raise a family. Whatever it is, he's given you enough of a glimpse to get you up and moving. As you start working the plan, as you start reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures and studying and not just say, well, I read my chapter for today. No, studying it, letting it get in you. Get the concepts, get, learn the principles. As you start working the plan, he will start to expand the vision and the glimpses will become complete photo albums and you'll be able to look through it. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Stand up. I hope this has been a blessing to you today. It's been a blessing to me to come and bring it to you. I pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that every single one of us would do whatever we need to do to work the plan in our lives so that the dream that blesses God's heart would become a complete, full manifestation in each and every one of us. Father, speak to the hearts of your people today, Lord God. Father, for those who've abandoned their dreams because it was too hard, Father, I pray that you recharge them today. Father, for those that have been seeking you, wanting to find out what the dream is for their life, Father, I pray that you give them the glimpses that they need right now, Lord. And Father, thank you for blessing us. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to participate with you so that you would be glorified and that we would live fulfilled on this earth. We bless you for that, Lord Jesus. Thank you for suffering and dying on the cross to enable us to become participants, joint heirs with you, co-laborers with God, to see the grand scheme, the grand plan of God come to pass for this planet, Father. We bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Listen, if anybody needs prayer for anything, please come up. There's people up here that will pray for you, especially if you had never yet received Jesus as the Lord of your life. Please take care of that today. Amen. Amen. God bless you.